Welcome to the Perspectives with Catherine Toon podcast. Okay, well, hello, everybody. This is Catherine Toon. Welcome to Perspectives with Catherine Toon. And I have a beautiful, anointed, amazing guest, Raina Rose, who recently published a brand new book with this incredible title. I love it. Sin Tastes Good. Wow. I'm so looking forward to getting to know you more, having people know you more and know about your book. So uh, before we get started, I just thought I'd, I'd read your your bio and just give people a little bit of background. So anyway, uh, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So this is her bio, international best-selling author and soul nutrition, Roku TV, and Amazon Fire Stick show host. That is quite a mouthful. (laughs) The soul nutritionist, Raina Rose, shares her unique experience and expertise in the importance of nourishing the soul. Digging deep into the question of what truly satisfies our inner life, Raina distills ancient wisdom into practical tools useful for today's modern audiences. As a former fitness professional and lifelong student of human behavior, in her latest book, Sin Tastes Good, and I miss my spot, Raina draws a powerful parallel between harmful food cravings and the common mindsets and behaviors that harm our souls. An expert in lifestyle design, Raina's topics direct audiences on a journey toward personal and spiritual fulfillment. I vote for all of that. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Raina. It's so good to go, so good to connect with you. And, you know, I was excited, uh, when I kind of heard about you and I heard about your book. Uh, so much to share here. Can you give us a little insight as to kind of how you started? on this journey of soul nutrition. It sounds like you've done a lot. And so what kind of brought you out of maybe your former area of interest into the area of soul nutrition? Love it. Um, well, I think I, I had been a fitness instructor for uh, 11 years and I had my own business and things. But when people ask me when I got into fitness, I'm like, well, when I was seven, I started watching Jane Fonda videos because I thought they were fun to dance to, you know. Um, and so, you know, I always done these fitness things and I still study it all the time. Um, but I was flight attending for a private jet at the time, which is uh, just as fabulous as it sounds, truly. It was a wonderful experience and it afforded me tons of time because we would fly maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, sometimes go as long as six weeks um, that we didn't fly, but we'd be just sitting in the south of France waiting for the boss to want to fly. If you want to nice. lay on the beach, you can, if you want to. And so I had this time to write this book and I had just recently, and it had been something on my heart for a while, but people were around me talking, kind of complaining about their lives. Let's be honest, but this and that, or <laughs> this poor person and this. And I'm like, yep, but they made bad decisions. Like, and right. like, granted, there's so much grace and, and sometimes we don't even in that grace, get the consequences for our decisions. But when you keep like repeating them over and over again, there's so much Proverbs wisdom to speak to that, that I'm right. like, you know, that can change. That doesn't have to be the reality anymore. And they're kind of complaining and saying for this person and for me. And, and I'm like, it doesn't have to be, you know right, that, right? right. And so, um, but I really want to complain about the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And, and many people don't want solutions. They want that cathartic, complaining, right. which just leads to more problems, of course. And right. so, 
you know, being a student of the Bible and theology, and I love studying monks from different centuries and things. I was actually enjoying one of your episodes with somebody who was talking about the various centuries of Orthodox Christianity and how it changed and things. I love studying these things and I always have. So, you know, I have this background of really absorbing the Proverbs wisdom in a way that, you know, just most people, it's kind of boring for a lot of people. And I totally get that. I've been there too. And so I'm like, how can I make this come to life for people in a way that they can understand? So it's kind of modern Proverbs day wisdom, though there are Proverbs in there of just reminding us like, okay, if this is our reality, what were our actions that created the reality? And can we change those actions? And can, even if you don't change those actions yet, can you ask yourself a new question that will lead to changed actions and changed results? And, you know, everything from flying around on private jets to, you know, living the lifestyle, like lifestyle design I wanted has come from saying, okay, if my results are not as desired, how am I impacting that? And how can I change it? And I relate it just like Paul does in the book to fitness, you know, back and forth. There's one chapter called uh, Donuts and the Meaning of Life. (laughs) And it's uh, my journey towards realizing like donuts are not my friend. Every time I eat one, it's like that animal from Alien or Spaceballs that wants to come out of my stomach, you know? And Eventually, I realized like sin tastes bad. It tastes really bad. Like that does not taste as good as it hurts later. Right. And and then I actually noticed that sometimes the things don't even taste good in the moment mm-hmm. because I was programmed by society to think this thing tastes good or that thing. And I realized it was certain foods, but even more so, you know, we're told by society, sex sells, especially a one night stand, you know. Um, you need to keep up with the Joneses. Here's a good credit card to do that with. Um, you know, we're told by society, these things taste good. They're mm-hmm. going to make you happy. Right. Just like for me, the donut's like so pretty. Right. Every time I saw it, I was like, oh, that's going to taste good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then I would eat it and it honestly didn't like, taste as good oh, as I'd hoped. Right. And then I would be in major pain. Right. <laughs> and, and that's kind of how sin is in our lives. <laughs> so such a great analogy. I love it. So it's interesting. So you have this flip from sin tastes good And then kind of in the fullness of everything of the sin of the donut or whatever, it actually tastes bad because you've weighed out everything going down, even from the immediate gratification, kind of to the the natural consequences. Yeah. Yeah. And and we see that in in sin as well. You know, um, I think sexual sin has been overdone, but it's just something easy to say. It's like, you know, sometimes the one night stand feels good and then eventually it's like, even in the moment, it doesn't feel good. Right. It's not even the next day when you're worried if you have an STD or right. an unwanted pregnancy or, you know, it's like, even in that moment, it's not satisfying like it once was when you first started getting into that behavior right. or the spending or whatever it is. It's like mm-hmm. sometimes that buyer's remorse actually is happening while you're doing it, but you still do it anyway. You hear this with people um, who get addicted to drugs. Sometimes they'll say like, I wasn't even enjoying the heroin. It actually felt horrible, but I was just so addicted. And so we have kind of, you know, addictive personalities mm-hmm. as humans sure. sometimes, mm-hmm. but bringing awareness to those things, asking new questions, creating new habits, ways to not fall into these, mm-hmm. whatever our thing is, you know, I mentioned some major ones, but we all have our thing. It might be oh, judging yeah. other people, which right? actually Jesus was way um, more harsh with than he was with the woman who was caught in adultery. Right. I mean, yes. he was more harsh with Pharisees who had hard hearts and judging. Than he was um, what Richard Rohr would call the sins of weakness. So right. Somebody, you know, fell into a sin of weakness. And so the book really asks, I always say, like, if you are 
type A. I have wrapped it up at the end of each chapter so that people who are type A can get it, but it's a lot more questions <laughs> than answers. <laughs> you know, That's it's great. a lot more search yourself because I don't have the answer to your soul, mm-hmm. but you do. And so there's tons of questions in there to get the answers to your own soul, which nourishes your soul because it's just like some people have different body types and eat different things, even more so with the soul. Um, I can't give you the answer to your soul. You know, we can know a couple of staples, you know, like we know vegetables are good, some protein and stuff. Um, you know, it's good to read the word, especially though. I, I do bring up some people have some negative associations to reading the word, sure you know, um, and to go in with prayer because I used to see myself, you know, when I had come out of a divorce and I was kind of a free spirit for a while, let's call it that. Um, you know, I would see myself as the adulterous woman, you know, I, I, I would yeah, read these scriptures and see myself as the, the villain, you know, mm-hmm. and I've heard people who have mental illness who say, I feel like when I read scriptures, they're talking about demon possessed. Mm-hmm. They're talking about like mental illness and I feel condemned. And so, you know, going in prayerfully helps that, but sometimes we need, um, you know, a counselor or a pastor or someone to go in with you and help unpack the guilt and shame out of these scriptures. And the, the very last um, chapter in the book is called like a spiritual chiropractor or something, oh, yes. you know, and it talks about how, you know, you can't set your own bone, like mm-hmm. uh, most likely, you know, you have to have someone else set the bone or it's going to heal incorrectly. Right. And so sometimes it's important to get a therapist or counselor or coach who can help you to really set the bones of dysfunction that have happened, you know, perhaps generationally even, Mm -hmm. um, that we can't do ourselves. And I think it's, it's important to recognize like we weren't meant to live this life alone and uh, nor were we meant our spiritual journey alone. Boy, that is true. And God really made us interdependent. It's not just me and Jesus, it's me and Jesus and the body and we need one another. Uh, so there's certain ways that God's going to provide answers. That's going to be through the anointing that other people carry, even if they don't know they're, they're carrying it as an anointing, so-called, right? A secular is like, well, he just sneaks right in there. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. You know, that's one story that, um, in the Bible, there's the story of Balaam and the donkey, right? Mm -hmm. And I've heard one pastor tell it like, you know, everybody gets really worked up that God spoke through a donkey, right? But how about God blessed his people through a pagan sorcerer? Like, He can use anything to come bless you and to speak a word to you. Um, If he can use a pagan sorcerer to bless all of Israel, Mm -hmm. he can use a secular person to come speak a word that you needed to hear in your heart. Uh, Of course, because they're God's kids. God God is resonant and working through people, even if they don't even know uh, and credit him. And he's so humble. It's amazing how humble God is. That that, that works for me. (laughs) So that is so great. Now, I was kind of interested because you were talking about sin and and, and your book is like, you know, sin tastes good. So what is your definition of sin? I think this is actually helpful for people because this is kind of the topic. Sure. And and I I redefine this in the book, not redefining as like changing the definition, but reminding people what it means. And it simply means to miss the mark. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can all admit without guilt or shame or condemnation that we miss the mark, that there's a gap between who we want to be and what we are right now. And I think when we can take away the guilt and shame and condemnation out of sinning, Mm -hmm. we often correct our aim. Mm -hmm. And um, I use the example in the book of a kid in an archery class, you know, Mm -hmm. and if you've ever tried archery, a lot of times you think you're going for the target and it it ends up in the field somewhere. (laughs) But you don't tell a person who it's like their first time, like, oh, what a loser. You suck at this. Right, right, right. 
you encourage them like, hey, I think you just need to pull your shoulder back, aim a little bit more to the right or the left, and, and you know, aim down more or up. I'm actually not good at archery. You know, you just tell them how to move their body and, and then they get better and then they start hitting the target and then they start hitting the bullseye, but not every time still. And so when we think that God used this in the scriptures, this archery lesson, and that even when you're really good at archery, you're not going to hit the bullseye every single time. Mm -hmm. It just frees us up to remember, like we do the best we can. We correct our aim when we see that we've gone way off and left field. And we're graceful with others. Another thing that I talk about in the book, especially in um, the church, I think it's so important to remember this. Um, have you ever heard of a privilege walk? I haven't, so feel free. Okay, to and for those who haven't, so a privilege walk is generally with kids that are in different socioeconomic mm-hmm. profiles, and they put them say on a football field, and they mm-hmm. start at one field goal, and they say, okay, if you have never skipped a meal um, other than voluntarily take a step forward. And of course it's the kids in the higher socioeconomic classes. Right. And they'll say, you know, if you live in a two parent home, take a step forward, all these things that are, you know, your privilege. And so by the time they say, all right, run the race to the other field goal, some kids are more than halfway across the field. Wow. And so you think, obviously, right. There's a powerful image there. Mm -hmm. I think in the church, we need to check our privilege too. Mm Because I think sometimes someone comes in a new Christian, maybe from a broken home, maybe they have some addictions in their life, whatever it is. And we're like, oh my gosh, you haven't stopped smoking yet. You're obviously not saved. You know, (laughs) and we've heard this in the church. And I think, you know, everyone's at least heard of this. And we have to check our privilege. Did we come from a Christian home where both parents were following God and actually led us to go to church and youth group and our like we have to check our privilege. Like, of course we don't have the same struggles that these ones do, but we're right. struggling like the Pharisees where we have kind of a judgy ding, heart ding, ding. Mm-hmm. and we got to ch- check that. And yeah. so I, I went out up in the book too, because the book is really written for two polar opposite people. It's, it's for people who are seeking, but have felt like I want God. I want Jesus. Mm-hmm but I haven't liked what I've seen in his followers. right? Yeah, um, truly. And then it's thing. for us in the church <laughs> mm-hmm. who are starting to wake up to why are so many people leaving the church? Mm-hmm. How come no one wants to come to church anymore? How come my friends say they're going to get struck by lightning if they're going to come to the church and how we as a church can be more inviting to these people and start bridging that gap mm-hmm. as well, because you know, it, it, we have to take personal responsibility for our actions oh, and our sins. Right. And also we have to take personal responsibility in the church that we are the reason people aren't coming. Ding, 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 ding. It's really true. And it's interesting mm-hmm. because, you know, uh, Jesus said, Romans 8, 1, in Christ, there's no condemnation. So really condemnation is not allowed because of what's already mm-hmm. been accomplished on the cross. And that will disempower yes. you and cut you off of the knees to come up higher. So the thing is, it's not that you're saying sin is good because sin does taste bad. But the thing is, in the place where we're stumbling in ways of being that are just walking out programs, we're not seeing ourselves correctly, so we're not able to walk that out correctly, um, all of that in a life-giving way, um, we have to be able to connect with the fact that we are forgiven and that there is no condemnation. So we can actually get up and be the people People that we are called to be, that we're being sons and daughters of God that look just like him. 
and are able to walk in, in that freedom and, and be empowered in it. Um, but it takes, it takes a lot of, a lot of ministry. You talk quite a bit about contemplative prayer. Uh, some people may not know what that is. So, um, uh, help us out here. Sure. And actually this kind of leads into contemplative prayer, but, mm-hmm. um, sin, yes, it can taste bad, but it can also taste good. Just like, so anyone who's gone on a health journey may have noticed that when they first started out, waxy licorice and cake and big gobs of ice cream and like super sticky sweet stuff tasted good to them when they started that health journey. And then as they got healthier and healthier, even their tastes changed where they wanted fruits and vegetables, they wanted things. And the same is true in our faith walk. When we're spiritually unhealthy, sin is like those sticky treats that once tasted good and they'd still taste good. Um, It's through awareness, contemplation, getting closer to God, growing in Christ that we are like, I am really craving like some steamed veggies right now. I can't even tell you how much my body wants like steamed veggies in a big glass of water, you know, um, but you don't get that way without a journey. Mm -hmm. Like someone who finds themselves in a really bad place of health, does not crave the steamed veggies. It's just right. not even in their DNA. And so the same is true with our faith, and it's a journey. So contemplative prayer is a wonderful way to take a journey with God. And it is a slowing down mm-hmm. to really be present with yourself, with God. And um so it's, it's basically, you know, the Christian version of meditation in a way, but right. It's, it's a prayer also, and it's a listening prayer. And so I joke, you know, I used to, my prayers used to look like a laundry list of my problems and then me telling God how to fix those problems right. because of course I know best. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. Like here, God, here's how you fix those problems in case you didn't know. Right. Um, like that was my, but then I was also never listening for the answer. Mm-hmm. I was just going ahead with my plan on how to fix those problems because right. I told God, you know, um, and so the contemplative prayer, and there's so much research on silence on the brain, how it grows places in your brain. I believe it's the hippocampus, but I'm not sure. Um, and how it, in these silent spaces, in spaces of even boredom, is where ideas come up. Creativity. We were made in God's creative image. He created the whole earth and everything on it. And then he created us and said, you're made in my image. When we sit in silence, first of all, we can experience God in a way that's fuller than probably a lot of people ever experience, but also there's times when I'm sitting in his presence and he just gives me like a golden idea that because it became still enough to listen, I get to go on this journey that he called me to that I only knew about because I was still enough to sit and listen to God's God's side of the story. You know, people talk about prayer being very one-sided. It's because we don't stop to listen. If right, right now I'm talking a lot because I'm on the interview and I'm not listening a lot. So I'm not learning about you as much, right? But if we were in conversation, mm-hmm. just outside of interview, it's more, tell me about your life. Tell me about your And the same is true with God. We, we need to listen to, God, what is your desire for my life? Because you love me more than I love myself. Mm-hmm. And if I learn your desire for my life, wow, yeah. it's going to be good. That's gorgeous. And that's where, that's where intimacy comes from, right? It's this back and forth. And that's where knowing God comes from because it's one thing for me to give my laundry list and that's fine. Um, but yeah. at, at some point it has to move past that because it's actually a relationship. 
And so you get to know him in intimate, sweet ways. Um, and then it becomes more and more, more seamless. And I, I, I do think, and I don't know how you feel about this, but a lot of this, like a health journey, it takes quite a bit of practice, right? So yes. if you think the first time and you haven't really tried to engage this way and, you know, it's, it's not, you're not getting much or maybe just getting a little, but you think like, you know, dang, that other person got paragraphs and I got one word or I got one picture or one little feeling or I didn't get anything yet. It takes practice and, um, you know, to, to get our sort of spiritual equipment, just our affection turned turn towards him so that we can really um, receive and get to know him and how delightful and patient he is. You know, I like to say that the first attribute of love is patience and kindness. So it's always going to be good on his end. And so, um, and giving ourselves permission like we would in a health journey, right, to, uh, to practice until we can get really good at this for ourselves, which is so amazing. Do you have specific um, sort of recommendations to help people get started or maybe um, um, help them sort of hone this skill in more? Yeah, so I think one thing we lack in health journeys and in journeys towards God is grace with ourselves. And when we don't have grace with ourselves, we often don't have grace with others. And I, th- I think that's really what we're seeing in the church when we see these judgy Pharisee, like is we're not graceful within, and so we're not graceful without. Um, and so just like it's not, unless you are like 300 pounds, it is not healthy or recommended to even lose five pounds a week. Right. Um, it's probably more healthy to recommend like one to three pounds a week. And you steadily take that off. You know, um, if you're overweight, obviously if you're the right weight, it might be a uh, muscle gain or something else that, or running towards a marathon. You don't run 26 miles the first day you start practicing. That's just no. not healthy. Um, um, and the same is true with when we're meeting with God. One thing I do have on my YouTube page is what I call one minute meditations. Oh, nice. And they're just, 60 seconds, and I use this both secular and if you're wanting to get into contemplative prayer. And there's also a contemplative prayer, like nine minute video on there for people who are just getting started out, and you can just turn it off and go longer if you want. Um, but starting small, um, because if you say I'm going to do the 30 minutes every day, um, that's kind of like saying I'm going to run five miles every day, unless you've been running that kind of amount, it's just not going to happen. You're, but if you say I'm going to, I actually have on my habit tracker. I'm going to walk seven minutes a day. And so I, if I go seven minutes, sometimes I go an hour and a half. Right. But it is that threshold of if I do this, mm-hmm. I, I kept my habit up. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think starting small, starting with one minute, you know, for people who are just starting to read scriptures, read one psalm or proverb mm-hmm. a day. Mm-hmm. And don't try to get yourself to read entire chapters right away sure. because it's just, going to happen uh you know or if it does it's going to be out of this very um confined and again having grace um one thing that's really helpful too is the practice called lectio divina um or lectio divina but it's spelled Mm -hmm. lectio um and it's actually a catholic monk practice Mm -hmm. where you go into scripture and you read just a couple of sentences and then you meditate on that and then you read that couple of sentences again and you find a word or phrase that stands out to you and you meditate on that word or phrase and you come back and you read it again and like you ask God, why did that word or phrase come up? What are you trying to tell me? And you sit with it again. And by the end of, of Lexio, you end up having this gift of something God's really telling you through the scripture. You know, this is a love letter to us and it's a living word. Um, 
And I think finding ways to bring it back to life, um, especially if you're not someone who just wants to sit down and read big swaths of scripture because it's very unfamiliar, the wording's a little weird, you know, especially certain translations. It's like, it feels like the verbs are like switched and whatnot, you know. <laughs> I like stumble over it, even when, though I've read it a bunch of times. Sometimes if it's in a version I'm not familiar with. So, you know, having that grace with yourself, with connection with God, with others. I think grace is just so important. And starting small, really one minute, start one minute. Once you've done a week of one minute, up it to five. And then if you've done a month of five, you then up it to 10 or 15. But I think when you start with a big chunk, you're really setting yourself up for failure. It's so true. I mean, you know, God said, don't despise the days of small beginnings because you yes, can build on yes. something small. You can't build on what you haven't done yet, but you can build on something small. And I think that's the kindness and the grace that we can extend towards ourselves. And then it kind of takes a life of its own um, because you've got you're engaging in a supernatural way, even though it may not feel supernatural. But uh, yeah. but you're sort of uh, turning your affection towards God for those two minutes or whatever it is. Um, and I love that um, uh, meditating on each line because you're actually engaging with the one who is the word behind the scripture. And so um, that makes it come alive. It makes it relevant and pertinent, uh, which is so amazing. Any other tips or um, uh tips, I guess. <laughs> Some other tips. Sure. Uh, you know, you were saying like engaging um, with the supernatural. And I, I wanted to mention for some people and not all, you shouldn't. So I, when I first started practicing contemplative prayer, very soon after I started having these experiences where it felt like I was going to heaven during, and we were, we were doing this in a group. We were meditating or, you know, just contemplative prayer, meditating on the Lord. And I, I like went to these tree house and I was hanging out with Jesus there and this waterfall. And like, I would, the bell would ding and it would feel like I came back into a hologram because that felt so real. And I remember, um, speaking to the spiritual director who ran it and he said, you know, a lot of the mystics, you know, you look at St. Francis and different mystics have experienced these kind of things. And he said, the only thing I would suggest is that you chase do not chase the experience, but chase the one the experience is with. Yeah. And I think the same is true in healing. You know, some people have some amazing healing ministries, mm -hmm. and that's great. And we are asking for healing, but we're still pursuing the one the healing is from. And so I think regardless of what you experience or don't, what you see, hear, feel, get ideas or don't, mm -hmm. remember, you're not seeking the ideas. You're not seeking the experience but you're seeing the one the experience is with. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes those other benefits of, that are cool and wonderful and yeah. um, more tangible come with it. Right. It's so great. They come as a byproduct, but it's all about yeah. this intimacy um, that you're cultivating. And intimacy takes time. It takes mm -hmm. time and it takes an ability to open up. And, you know, if you've been struggling, if there's been sin issues or whatever, where you have felt condemned, or you have struggled, or maybe there's pain, or maybe you were brought up in a, a, a really religious um, way so that it's, it's hard. You've got some stuff to move through to, to, um, to connect with the real God versus maybe the one um, that 
is not feeling very nice <laughs> or doesn't yeah. feel very present. Um, so you're pushing through those and it's a beautiful opening. So, you know, God's heart is pre-opened towards us, but it's our opening towards him and the, and the places where we see him in a veiled way um, that makes it difficult. But, you know, as I said, God is patient. It's the first attribute of love is patient. And so he's asking us in loving ourselves to be patient with ourselves and to be kind, grace-filled, right? Just what you were saying. Um, and, yeah. and develop that. And, you know, it's, it's amazing how things can come alive when that happens. So I love that so much. I want to speak to just one thing to that because it's, it's really probably the most important feedback I've gotten on the book. There's one part. So every time I sat down to write, I would just pray, Lord, write through me what you need your people to hear. And so I would just ask him to write through me and I would do that. And I fell into one of my own sin habits one day. And I came back to write and I said, God, you know, I'm not worthy to write this book. And he gently reminded me, did you think you were before? Do you think I love you any more or less? Or I'm going to bless you any more or less? And, you know, I didn't have a heart to like, just keep repeating this thing. Um, and someone replied to me, you know, when they read that part of the book, a sin that had been holding them back that they had done years ago and it had been holding them back from doing what God has called them to do. They finally were able to let that go. All right. I take your grace that is sufficient and fresh today. And, you know, I'm going to move forward in grace rather than like, even in the dieting, you know, oh, I already blew it. So I might as well just keep eating cake right? Yeah, yeah. Um, to say, okay, I had a bad meal and I'm going to eat great things today. The same is true with our soul, you know, that we need to leave that in the past, take God's grace for today. When it happens again, we come in repentance again, because like you said, he's a good and he's a patient God. And even when we come again and again and again, it's the fact that we continue to return. And that's what contemplative prayer really is. Mm-hmm. It's the practice of returning to God because your thoughts will wander yeah. and then you bring them back. And you and then gently bring it back, back, right? Because sometimes mm-hmm. we beat ourselves up because, well, you know, I'm thinking about my grocery list. I'm supposed to be encountering God. Uh-huh. It's like, well, just gently bring it back. And so, you know, I mean, yes. God is also gentle. It's amazing how, how, mm. um, that is. And it's so true. If it, if it's dependent on our performance, we're intrinsically disqualified, but it's really dependent on his performance. And we're just turning our, our affection towards him. And he's pre-qualified us because there's things with our names on us, uh, on it, uh, that we're called to do that if we're disqualifying ourselves, we're not contributing the reason why God sent us to this planet. And so yes. it's so important to be connecting with him. So I, I love that so much. Oh my goodness. I can't believe we're at the, uh, at the top of the time. Where can people get your book? Uh, sure. They can get my book on Amazon. Just look up Raina Rose. Sin tastes good. I think it's also going to be in the show notes. Um, the show notes. And you can go to my website, which is Raina dash or hyphen or whatever you want to call it. Rose.com. <laughs> so that's just Raina dash Rose.com. And then you can follow me on any socials, which is Raina Rose TV on all socials. Wow, that's great. So, well, I know that people are going to want to do that. Um, any final um, things that you want to share as you're kind of having to to sign out and close down? It's been so much fun. The time is whizzed by. Sure. I mean, just as you were mentioning, God is patient. God is gentle. God is kind. So remember, he has breathed his very breath into us and made us in his image. So be gentle, kind, and patient with yourself and with others. 
Absolutely. He loves that. You know, I mean, and, and one of the things that the Lord had ministered to me because I, I struggled with self-condemnation for such a long time um, mm. is that when I was beating myself up, it was literally like I was taking, if I was saying nasty things about myself or whatever that was, it was literally like just taking a dagger and just plunging it in his heart. I was saying mm. crappy stuff about the one that Jesus loves, right? And that's yeah. you too. You know, you he have to understand, right? Exactly. And so, Perfect. you know, we're kind. If someone says something nasty about someone you love, even if it's true, it just hurts your heart, <laughs> right? That's right. And and ultimately, we are made in His image and likeness. That's our original design. We're just sometimes mm-hmm. don't track with that all the time and don't always behave like that. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. And I, I so one one last Please. thing. Uh, one, yeah, the reason that. I, I always say, I think the original sin was not actually Adam and Eve eating the fruit. I believe it's they forgot who they were. Because if they did like Jesus did centuries later and said, you know, sorry, Satan, I don't need a fruit to make me like God. I was already made in his image. And I think that's a lot of the reason we sin is because we forget whose image we're made in. We forget who we really are. And then we, we act in a more base way. And so remember who you are. Remember whose you are. And your actions will follow. So beautiful. So wise. So, well, thank you so much. It's been so much fun. Everybody jump on, grab her book, uh, look at her resources. Do you speak as well? Oh, yeah. I speak all the time on so many subjects. Uh, For churches, I do a lot on tithing because I'm a huge believer in tithing. And I think it's hard for tithing messages to come from the pastor of the church because... It looks like they're just trying to up their salary, right? Right, right. That's funny. Oh, wow. That's great. Well, it has been a joy, and I look forward to seeing more come from you. You just glow with that love of God, with the grace of God. It's so beautiful on you, and I so appreciate you coming on. Thank you for joining. Thank you. I see that, that glow in you, too. So thank you so much for having me. Uh, my my pleasure. All right, everybody. Find Raina. She's on the. She's all over the place. Find her. Grab her stuff. And I know she's going to help you just explode with so many good things. So thanks again. And I hope you'll come back on sometime. Me too. All right. You have a great day, everybody. You have a great day as well. Bye bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Perspectives with Catherine Tune. For additional information and resources, please visit katherinetune.com.